to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 283, recorded April 22nd, 2018. So today we're doing Boldly Go. Yes, so, uh, 11 through 13. 11 through 13, so it's a little two-parter. Mm-hmm. And then it's 13 starts a massive six-issue miniseries called IDIC. Infinite Diversity in Infinite Combinations. So nice of them to go back and uh, So shouldn't it be IDIIC? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that wouldn't sound as cool. <laughs> so I think they just, you know, it's like Man from Uncle. You know, they they kind of make little. Well, for, forget about that word. It's a small word. Okay, thanks. Anyway. Oh yeah, that's right. Uncle's Uncle stands for something. What is the it again? United Network Command for Law and Enforcement. They 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 leave off the A of the A. Uh, so that's we did a uh, we did a Man from Uncle Batman Batman. Um, April Fool's joke, right? We did. We did. The Man from Uncle. They should mix in the Man from Uncle in Star Trek. That would actually be a. Could have Gary Seven in there. Ooh. Man from Uncle. Oh. Maybe mix the $6 million man. <laughs> and, and of and course. Bat- and Batman 66. There you go. You can put it all together. Although uh, that's the 60s, and $6 million man was the 70s. Oh, was it? Okay. Well, then never mind. Man, he's out. He's out. But he's in, as you mentioned to me, you sent me a little info about it. He's in with the G.I. Joe gang. Yeah, they're, they're doing a uh, $6 million man versus G.I. Joe yes. in the series right now. Yes. Which is all cool and stuff. And, you know, Steve Austin has the million dollar upgrades, but G.I. Joe has guns. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to guess that contest is going to go pretty bad for. Uh, <laughs> Six million dollar man, Steve Austin. Yeah, when I told you that, I didn't realize it had the verses in the middle. I thought it was right. he joined the the GI Joe, but oh. then you pointed out the uh, the verses, and I right. was like, oh, that's unfortunate. Well, maybe it's kind of like every superhero team up; they all got to fight first before they become buddies. Oh yeah, I'm sure that's how it's going. Maybe that's it. what it is. Yeah, yeah, they did do a uh, Wonder Woman seventy seven and um, Bionic Woman crossover not too long ago. Where it was the Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, and the... Uh, and Jamie whoever, Summers? Yeah, whoever played the Bionic Woman. Oh. Uh, who played... Okay. Yeah, I don't know who she is. But yeah. uh, it was, it, that, that miniseries was actually kind of cool. I, I think I read the first issue or so. Oh, cool. I have it. I, I wasn't that big into the, the $6 million woman or Bionic Woman, whatever she is. Right, Bionic Woman. Yeah. So they're just kind of... They're milking everything. They are. I mean, they're doing uh, doing crossovers with every combination. You might even say with infinite combinations. Ooh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we won't talk. Uh, we'll talk about the IDIC miniseries when when we get there. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I I guess I might have known more about it than you did. You thought it was a one off, and then. Um... 
Well, by the time we got, to, by the time I got to the end of it, it obviously wasn't. But I knew nothing about it going in, except and especially the cover that has uh, Pine's face in like six different sections. I think it's six, and they're all different. And right. it was like, um, wow, <laughs> they're being kind of silly. I mean, some of those things. I mean, one of those looks like uh, Jayla. I mean, what Kirk's a Kirk's a you know Jayla's. Um... There's a version of Kirk that's a... Oh, I thought he was supposed to be like a... I thought it was like a Tron thing. I guess we could talk about it later. Yeah, we can talk about it later. I, but, I, yeah. but but the cover there was like, oh, there's a lot of... Boom. I, I've seen different versions of Kirk before, but this has more versions I haven't seen before. Right. And none of them look like the Shat. Uh, no, none of them look like the Shat. I think they moved beyond that. I think they moved beyond <laughs> the Shat. Okay. Anyway. All right. Shall we go on to issue number 11 first, though? Let's do that. So, issue 11, Whom Gods Destroy. So this is uh, the first of a two-parter. And um, it's interesting because Whom Gods Destroy, of course, was an episode of Taws. And they're basically redoing it. Uh, Where did you find the title? I mean, obviously that's what it was, but I I didn't see a title anymore. Oh, uh, I, I probably just took that from the description on Lone Star. And uh. just kind of placed, <laughs> just assumed that's what they meant. Even though it says nothing about that in the book itself. Right. But this is obviously whom God's destroy. Yeah. You know. Which, by the way, was not one of my favorite episodes. Uh, except Yvonne Craig was on it, and that's and, always a good thing. Batgirl in it. Batgirl. It's always a good thing when Yvonne's on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't think. And, and also, the character's very interesting. The fallen captain. Um, I think that's really an interesting thing. Um, but right. anyway, moving along. So published date is August 2017. Writer is Mike Johnson. Art is Megan Levins. Colors, Marissa Louise. Letters by Andrew Design. Production design, Neil Yataki. Editor, Sarah Gatos. Editorial assists by Chase Meratz. Publisher, Ted Adams. Okay, we got four covers. The first cover features the Kelvin Universe Enterprise, which is interesting because there is no Enterprise in this story. Uh, NCC 70, well, at least Kirk's not on it. NCC 1701, warping through space uh, with a Starfleet swoosh in the background, and that covers by George Kalt Sodas. Cover B shows Kirk holding hands with Eurydice, who is playfully pulling him along. Cover by Tony Shastine. The first retailer instead of cover is a photo from Star Trek Beyond of Spock looking slightly peeved. The second retailer instead of variant cover is uh, rather generic and features Sulu's head and shoulders in a Starfleet swoosh and a Starfield in the background. So they've been doing a lot of uh, these covers using that kind of style, but just substituting different characters. In this case, uh, Sulu. Cover by Chrissy Chung. Ten years ago, above the planet Axanar, Captain Garth and the crew of the USS Heisenberg have taken significant damage fighting three Klingon ships. The Klingons are down to one ship, but the Heisenberg shields are down to 7%. Captain Garth of Izar is able to bait the Klingons in by bringing the ship to a full stop. Despite the Klingon closing in on them from behind, Garth orders full power to the forward shields. 
Just as the Klingon disruptors are about to destroy the ship, Garth give orders to tack starboard, coming around to face the D7 and blow it out of space. Though this looks like a simple, hard turn, at just the right moment, the first officer tells us they executed the theoretical Cochrane deceleration maneuver. It has never been actually executed in battle before. Captain Garth is a genius. He's also become quite the hero because of the bloody nose he has given to the Klingons that prevented a war. Ten years later at Starfleet Academy, with a full auditorium of cadets, including James T. Kirk and Dr. Leonard McCoy, Garth tells the story of how war was averted that day. The lesson? Peace is a fragile thing, and there are some things you can only learn through experience. Later, out on the Academy grounds, Captain Pike introduces Captain Garth to Cadet Kirk. Garth and Kirk walk alone for a time. Garth tells Kirk what a great man his father was, and how proud he would be if he could see Kirk following in his footsteps and joining Starfleet. In response to a question, Kirk tells Garth he has chosen to specialize in command. The conversation ended with Kirk. Garth and Pike walk on discussing how the brass chose to give command of the Enterprise to Pike and not the hero of Axanar. Three years ago, above planet Antos IV, Captain Garth is beamed down alone to meet with the Antosians. As the materialization sequence is completing, it goes grotesquely awry. The captain screams in agony that few people have ever known. He is left skinless and smoldering on the planet's surface. Meanwhile, in the Heisenberg, the transporter controls tell them that Captain Garth is dead. They lost him in a freak transporter accident. Now. Aboard the Endeavor, Kirk, Sulu, McCoy, and other former members of the Enterprise crew have settled in on their new ship. Though it's a temporary assignment until the Enterprise A is ready for them, they feel good about their mission, ship and crew. Suddenly, a small trading ship approaches them, being piloted by Thalia. Through his surprise, Kirk asks Thalia where her mother Eurydice is. He says her mother disappeared on Antos IV, so she came here for help. The two ships set course for Antos IV at top speed. During their trip to the planet, McCoy recommends caution. Since Antos IV is where Captain Garth died in a transporter accident, Maybe he should think about taking a shuttle down. They arrive, and after Kirk speaks to a representative of the planet's government, he and Thalia beam down alone. The Antosian representative walks with them as they discuss how best to search for Eurydice. A familiar voice speaks Kirk's name. Kirk turns to see Eurydice. Thalia speaks plainly. She is not my mom, and runs away giving in to her self-preservation instincts. Kirk takes off after the child, but Eurydice tells him to follow her. He does so, but as they enter a dark alley, Eurydice turns and shoots Kirk with a phaser. Meanwhile, back on the Endeavor, Kirk returns to the ship. Sulu meets him, and they walk to the bridge. Kirk says he will be in his ready room and parts company with Sulu.
Alone in the ready room, Kirk's face gives way to another man. Captain Garth. Not dead after all. He simply says, it's good to be back. To be continued. Bum, bum, bum. Da, da, da. Yep. Okay. So he's not Garth of Izar. He's just Captain Garth. Well, I, I thought he was Captain Garth of Izar. Yeah, but did they uh, ever do say mean? that? Uh, they do say that. In this Here issue. In this one? Oh, yes. okay, okay. Because I always thought he called himself Garth of Izar because he, you know, had the little crown and he was all in, in wearing the robes and stuff. So I thought he, in, in the original series, thought he was some sort of, you know, Napoleon or Alexander the Great kind of thing. Yeah. And that's why he called himself Garth of Izar. Well, you know, maybe that, I guess I didn't really think about it that much back then. Um, but it seems to be the planet he's from. But, right, right. Eh, I don't know. Right, but I just thought it was odd that he calls himself that. Nobody else says. I know. Spock of Vulcan. Well, <laughs> I am Kirk of, of Earth. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you look like a human, but that doesn't mean you have to tell us every time you meet somebody what planet you're from. Right. Anyway. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. So speaking of Garth of Izar's uniform from that old show, didn't – do you think they uh... – they got some inspiration for Cochrane's clothing in, in First Contact from him. Cochrane has that little hat that kind of looks like the crown, and he wears the the kind of uh, coat and stuff. I always thought oh the fuzzy either, the fuzzy coat. Yeah, and 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 Garth wears a fuzzy coat. And oh, I never even thought of that. I don't know. And uh, I, maybe they kind of look alike to me. <laughs> huh. I don't know if it's intentional, but it always it always. Uh, I always thought it was kind of similar. Right. Well, now that you mention, I think you're right. I never noticed that. My gosh, Donovan. I mean, it doesn't make sense because Cochrane, as you know, is from Alpha Centauri. Where you're supposed to be. Okay. In in Taz, he said he was he was from Alpha Centauri, but in 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 First Contact, he's just yeah, he's just a human. So, uh, okay. You know, I did not remember that. And another thing, um, Cochrane who you see in the Taz episode is like, uh, you know, a good looking strapping man. looks like he could be a, a, a Starfleet captain uh, or a typical kind of Starfleet captain. Whereas in the movie, um, it's basically what babe, the pigs, farmer, yeah. father, whatever. Uh, <laughs> excellent actor. I forgot his name, but um, remember, I knew it before we started talking about him, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. He's been in 15 jillion things. There you go, James Cromwell. Great actor. Great actor. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but when they met Cochran and Taz, he was he was with that entity or whatever that was yeah. keeping him alive and, and right. maybe making him younger. That's the way That's the way I always chucked yep. it up to why he looked younger. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and he was a strapping, good-looking guy, um, not tall, geeky, you know, a little... <laughs> on the ostrich looking side. Uh, right. You know. I do like his cameo. He had two cameos in Enterprise, but in the pilot episode when they say, you know, this is a recording from Cochrane when when he was heading off to Alpha Centauri, I, I always thought that was a nice little nod to the explaining why in the Taz episode. Oh, they say right. Sorry. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So they, they tried to. Of course you like that. 
They tried to make it <laughs> link together. They tried to make it fit. Exactly. Which is what you're all about, man. So, so saying that, uh, this issue bringing in uh, the the Garth story into the Kelvin universe, I actually kind of dug, dug it. I, I like these two issues a lot. Yeah, I did too. Uh, it's just I think it kind of – I don't know. As it got towards the end, especially what we'll see in the next issue, which I won't ruin it, sure. uh, I think they fell back on kind of typical tropes a little bit. I think they, they, they kind of ran out of rooms because like, I was getting close to the end of the book and I'm like, how are you going to end it? And it's just like, end. <laughs> uh, fall back on something we've seen 15 jillion times uh, in, in other shows and maybe even Star Trek a few times. Who knows? Sure. And, um, and not, yeah, end. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, but this issue, I, I liked having uh, – oh, man, I was going to pronounce her name right. Uh, well, how do you say your name? Eurydice. Eurydice. I liked having her back because I kind of like that story where she sold them out to the, the slug people and all that stuff. Right. But then she came back and saved them. Right, right. But I always kind of liked her character, so uh, it was I, – I wasn't expecting her to ever come back. Um, so, so having yeah. her back here, I was actually kind of kind of happy. Yeah. I mean she's kind of like Vosh uh, from Next Gen. Sure. You know, she just pops up every once in a while. Uh, and actually, was she in – Deep Space Nine also? She popped uh, up in yep. some other she one. Po- she popped up in Deep Space Nine. She okay. was in the Q episode in Deep Space Nine. There you go. There you go. So, um, you know, I, she's kind of like that. She's like the captain's girlfriend that pops up every once in a while. Sure. I liked it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, you know, because that was the ongoing, Star Trek ongoing, and then now it's boldly go. And I, they haven't really brought back much of what they established in ongoing, so right. I didn't expect her to ever come back. Ah, hmm. Yeah, but, uh, right. She did, so. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I, I did not remember that Garth could shapeshift, um, to tell you the truth. I, yeah. I remembered somebody could shapeshift, but while I was reading it, I couldn't remember if it was that episode. So uh, it wasn't until the end of the, the two issues that I went back to make sure that it was that episode and not uh, that they didn't somehow combine two different Taz stories with the, the shapeshifting and, and the normal guy. Right. Uh, but no, he, he could shapeshift in the old show. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, so I thought it was really interesting how they not only included uh, Captain Garth, but um, also that they included Axanar. They, they mentioned it, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, the whole <clears> – <throat> when uh, Prelude to Axanar – uh, came out the uh, the, the, the funding fan the fan the fan film the the short little short the twenty minutes short or whatever that was made uh, very well we talked about it before um, mm-hmm. on the episode, uh, on the show and um, I had not remembered the name Axanar before and I thought they just made it up for that fan film but no apparently Axanar was mentioned. Uh, and in relationship to Captain, Captain Garth in the original Taz episode, uh, right. whom gods destroy. So that was kind of it was kind of you know it, it was remi- reminding me of things. Um, but obviously, this version of the story of Axanar and, and Captain Garth's relationship to it is quite different from what they were going for in the fan film. 
Right, but isn't Garth in the fan film? Isn't he the one that talks oh, about yeah. seeing um, the D7 for the first time and things yeah. like that? Yep. Yeah, yeah. so <clears throat> he's, another one, uh, he's another one of the captains. So there are multiple captains in the Axanar story, and he's one of them. Right. So he, he was a hero, but they don't mention the details of, of how he was such a hero uh, related to the Battle of Axanar or whatever. Um, in, in the Taws episode, you know, you're just left to yourself to figure it out. And uh, interesting how the fan film put a stake in the ground, and uh, so does uh, this issue. But of course, this is an alternate reality, so they can play around with it any way they want to. Right. But, um, but yeah, obviously the fan film is not canon, so it could be right. anything. Yeah, and uh, so when I'm reading this, you know, I remember the fan film too, but I kept comparing this to to Discovery when they kept saying, whew, we almost avoided a war. And I'm like, I mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. if Discovery was your ca- is is your canon and it happened around the same time or maybe even a little before, um, uh, you didn't avoid a war. Like, right. like half of the so, Federation should be destroyed by this point. So what are they saying here? Um, so it's saying... Well, this comic, of course, is the Kelvin. Sure. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Axanar happened after the Kelvin incident, right? Yeah, it must have. Axanar happened, yeah, because Kirk would be like a little kid during... Exactly. There you go. Perfect. Um, So there is a branch there. So um, what happened in this comic book is not necessarily anything to do with Taw's or the right. acts in our uh, movie, our fan film. Right. Yeah, so, so th- this... Uh, yeah. So it's sound... Or Discovery. So apparently in this one, because Captain Garth gave uh, the Klingons a Vulcan hello, um, he avoided uh, war. That's right. Maybe he was there instead of uh, the Shinzo. In the in, alternate, in, in, the, in the Kelvin right, universe. In the Kelvin universe. There you go. Oh, that'd be awesome. They should have had that one panel where it showed the 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 the, the, she, the she's on just kind of off in the background, going, "God, gosh darn, that's how we should have done it." Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So uh, I like the Heisenberg uh, design. Oh, the ship. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, a reliant, but uh, with the uh, the new the new nacelles from the yep. movie. Very Reliant-esque, yes. Interesting they chose to uh, to go with that look. Right. But as far as being a ship, it, it makes more sense than the Enterprise does. There's no long, lanky nacelles. and I mean, everything's compact, and it looks like this ship could really maneuver well. It makes it harder to hit. But without the uh, secondary hull, it's it's... Oh, actually, it does have a secondary hull, doesn't it? Yeah, it has it? a secondary hull. It's yeah, just, but it's really it short. Inside the, the... Yeah, 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 because it just is it's... around the saucer at the back. Exactly. So it does not extend beyond the saucer. Mm-mm. So it's a really, wow, it's a really tiny one. Anyway, so it doesn't, the only thing good about the Enterprise is it has a nice, big, beefy um, secondary hull, which allows them to have, uh, you know, produce more power for the ship, for the engines, for the weapons, for the shields, everything. You don't know how big this thing is. Well, look at it. It's it's it, it's a fraction of the size of the uh, Enterprise. Plus, it's ten years ago, so ten <laughs> ten years before the Enterprise, right? Right. Yep. That's what it says. 
So, uh, so what do you think about the transporter thing? <laughs> I liked it a lot. It's so, ah! it was pretty grotesque. That is very grotesque. It looks looks like that. Uh, is in Japan or something? They got those. Um... Oh, Attack from Titan. No, um, it, it, it <clears throat> I think they came from Japan. They actually have some kind of an exhibit or science exhibit or something where they're showing people and maybe dogs and stuff, who knows, right. with and basically, horses. and horses. So they're showing the musculature. So like right. there's no skin on them, which is right. kind of gross. And that's yeah. what this is kind of like. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Yeah, that actually came from Germany. That was, oh, uh, Germany? Okay. Plastinization, where they were basically... Uh, Vacuum out all the moisture in your in in the tissue and and replace it with uh, with silicone so that it doesn't uh, decompose. Yeah, I've actually oh. I went I went to the exhibit. It so was, those it, are real it, bodies. It, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, oh. So it, it toured here in the states and and uh, <laughs> actually for like our second anniversary or something, my wife bought us tickets for it. How romantic! I thought it was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was our first anniversary. Whatever the paper anniversary is, that was that was what she she bought us tickets, and it was like, you know, here's here's your paper anniversary gift, and it was tickets to go see that. Uh, <laughs> uh, are you sure that's not the disappearing flesh anniversary? <laughs> no, she wasn't counting that part. She was just counting the physical paper ticket to get in. Oh, oh, oh gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Okay, but uh, you know, she's a romantic like that. She is. <laughs> but uh, but no, that was really cool because I always wanted to see it uh, when it was in Germany and things. Uh, but I didn't think it would ever tour here. But it did. Right. It was interesting. But, cool. Uh, but yeah, I that, could that's see that. cool. That, that's what this. I, I wasn't thinking that when I saw this. I was right. thinking uh, like Hellraiser or something. When a Hellraiser? Uh, that's another good one. When Frank walks around for so long without any skin. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I was wondering where his clothes went to. I mean, why, why did his clothes disappear and his skin just get ripped off? I don't know. Uh, the whole thing doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, unless, so so was it with Antosian? Is that their name? Whatever they were. The people on this planet. I mean, right. they didn't cause this, right? I don't think so. Okay. So this truly was a transporter accident. Right. Although they never really say for sure. I mean, they assumed it was. Right. And um, he's just there, like, just like a post toasty, kind of like just, just skinless and, and like. Smoking. Smoking. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so these people help him, and somehow he ends up getting the uh, shape shifting thing going. Shape shifting powers, right. Right. Which I guess is part of the, uh, the original series. He yeah. says that's where he got his. Uh, his his powers from from these right. people after the accident. So, uh, kudos to the writers to keep that from the old show. Right, and but the old show make it, look, make it look better than than what the old show. You know, just a well, little throwaway line. <laughs> yeah, well, it it gives it some impact, and it's like, oh my god, uh, Captain Garth sucks to be you. So it sucks to be Pike because he gets the radiation <laughs> thing. He's right. in, he's in a chair. And right. then it sucks to be Garth, so it's like your captain. Well, okay, okay. So I guess the, I guess the Garth thing. Whatever. It's like if you're Kirk, you're going like, like looking over your shoulder, going, "What, sh- what, what bad thing's going to happen to me any minute?" Yeah, I hope I don't get sucked into the Nexus. That would suck. 
Exactly. Where I have to live out decades with my uh, my fiance or whatever on on a ranch. That'd oh be my hor- god! That would be horrible. Riding horses and chopping wood. Oh my gosh! But you got to think about it. So that's that was Kirk's, you know, quote unquote death. Yeah. And then Pike's, you know, he didn't die, but he ended up going to the Telosians, and he kind of had a fantasy life, kind yeah. of like the Nexus. Yeah. Um, and then you know Garth, he didn't die, but uh, he did get superpowers. So, <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Bad. No, no, it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, you gotta suffer a little bit, but you come back as a superhuman, and you know, he just uses his powers for evil. Yeah, for revenge, right? So, uh, right, as we'll we'll see as it goes on. So, in the original show, they do say he's in that mental institution because. He went crazy because of the the trauma of, of whatever they did that ended up giving him the superpowers. But somehow that also made him crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and you could see going through this, that would make you crazy. Right. But they but didn't they, go through the details. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, in so the Taz episode, they didn't go into the details. But they're showing you plenty of detail here, which gives them more than enough reason to go crazy. Right. But why do they – bring up the whole we can only beam one person down at a time because that's our that's our um, our culture or something. Right, yeah. That seemed kind of random and then Kirk beams down with the little girl and they don't really seem to have a problem with it. So yeah, it just exactly. seemed kind of weird to even bring that up. I guess they just wanted to explain why why he went down alone. Down yeah, yeah, exactly. Alright. And, and, and if Kirk wants to come down to find somebody, are you not going to let, let the little girl come down? Right. You're probably going to do that. And would you beam down? I think I would take transporter. I, I would take the uh, take a ship shuttlecraft. I think I think he, I think McCoy was spot on. Yeah, I did like how they brought up McCoy's. Uh, I don't like transporter stuff. Yeah, it, bringing back the the original the the motion picture. Right. Right. So the Endeavor is it a Constitution class ship? Well. Um, I don't know for sure. I mean, I it, it looks like in the original in in the first couple issues, but here it looks just like the Enterprise. Um, it has some differences, but uh, yeah, it has. It looks like it has the same engines, but it was the um, it was it was the struts that hold oh. the nacelles onto the ship that was so different in previous episodes. I mean, was it weren't the nacelles a lot lower? In previous uh, issues, right, like almost like Voyager kind of thing, where right? They, where they were kind of perpendicular with the the engineering. Yeah, but now, I mean, I'm looking at uh, I don't know what page this is, but the whole upper part of the page it what is, is that warp. Yeah, they're coming out of yeah. warp, or they're in warp, or something. And those nacelles are the same thing as Enterprise A. Yeah. Period. Full stop. Are, it's the Enterprise. Yeah. 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 The only difference is that on the saucer, it yeah. has this like. Uh, I don't know, clamp-looking thing that looks like it's holding the saucer section down that I don't remember on the Enterprise. Yeah, um, in the back portion of the saucer section, on top, it almost looks something kind of like Enterprise E. So the Enterprise E kind right. of has a triangular kind of look like that a little it bit. It off the bridge, yeah. Right. Yeah, so that aside from that, that, that lo- this looks exactly like the Enterprise, and I don't remember it looking that much like the Enterprise in 
previous issues. I, I remember it having a lot more differences. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since we read those, so I could be misremembering, but but no, I think you're right. I think when I was right. going through it today, I was like, man, that looks just like the Enterprise. Yeah, I think they purposely made it look different, more different than they're making this one look. Right. Hmm. All right. Anything else? Um, I just wanted to mention that the artwork's pretty good, although at times it looks a little cartoony. Yep. Which I'm, I, you know, it's, it, it looks all good. The coloring is wonderful. Everything's a lot of good eye candy. It's, it's all, everybody look, pretty much looks like, um, pretty much look like the actors. There's a few exceptions, but, um, it looks good, but just looks a little cartoony. Sure. Yeah. You, you've, you've made that comment before. Yeah. My biggest complaint is Pike. He looks maybe 30 years older than Bruce Greenwood. And he's supposed to be, you know, younger, like when, when yeah. before, I guess, while Kirk's in school. So I don't know how many years that was supposed to be. But here he looks like an old man. With, yeah, he looks like an old man. All gray. Yeah. Right. So Agreed. Bruce Greenwood never looked that old. No. No. Not in the movies. And there's no reason he should even further back in time. Or no. Right. No, no. It's not further back in time. It's It's still... Yeah, yeah, it would be during the during the the cadet days, the time when when Kirk was in school. Yeah, right, right. So, what did he do it in? Two years, three years, four years? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, he got it quick, way way quicker than he should have. Right. <laughs> um, I did like that they brought up um, the Farragut here. Mm-hmm. That was a nice little right. nod because I don't think they've ever mentioned it in the in the Kelvin universe. No. Well, because that was his – that was a ship Kirk was on. He was an engineer or something on it, wasn't he? Right. Yeah, that was his first ship after after Starfleet Academy. Right. But here, as we know, his first ship after Starfleet Academy was the Enterprise. The so Enterprise. Yep. It was kind of cool to see that they still kind of brought that back, that he, right. he did spend a few months on the Farragut. Okay, good. Yeah, that is good. So it's kind of cool. Okay. All right. So uh, Garth's ship, the Heisenberg. Uh-huh. So, you know, not the Breaking Bad Heisenberg. Well, actually, kind of the Breaking Bad Heisenberg, because uh, Walt named his drug-dealing character after the scientist. Um, okay. So that's cool. So they name ships after scientists um, in the Calvin universe, which Calvin itself, uh, being a unit of measure of heat, and J.J. Uh, Abrams' grandfather, uncle? Right? Grandfather? Yeah, was it grandfather? Like something yeah, like that. One of those. Right. So they're kind of into uh, scientifically oriented names. So that, that's cool. Um, instead of Taws, where everything was pretty much, hey, what do you call an aircraft carrier? Okay, let's use the same names. <laughs> well, Heisenberg was, was, was in the original show. Didn't they, didn't they not mention Heisenberg? Uh, I don't remember that. It Taws? Yeah, because I looked it up. I looked up this episode on Memory Beta and Memory okay. Alpha, and both of them mention the Heisenberg. Oh, really? This issue, oh, so. cool. So that was they referred to Garth's ship as the Heisenberg. Right. Oh, how interesting. I guess, I guess there's been a novel called uh, Garth of Izar. Yeah. Which uh, further explains it in, in the prime timeline. So, but anyways, but memory ba- memory alpha doesn't usually mention expanded universe stuff, and they did mention Eisenberg. So, I'm gonna have to say that it was in that episode. 
I didn't go back. Cool. Okay. I, I thought it was maybe more of a, a JJ verse thing, but not at all. Right. Cool. Doesn't seem like it is. Okay. Good. So that was kind of an exception, though. Right. Well, we didn't also never saw it either. So. Yeah. They they just had to throw away a lot. They had to throw away light. I'm sure. Right. And maybe that was the author's preference, and Roddenberry didn't get in there to change it. So okay. Okay. Right. So um, I guess the last thing I just want to say briefly is I'm not crazy about how uh, Thalia just took off. I mean, that's it. I mean, when when the fake Eurydice comes up, uh, she didn't she didn't do anything about saying, "Hey, Kirk, let's get out of here." All she said is, "That's not my mom." Bye. You know, just wee. Well, wouldn't you freak out too if someone showed up that looked exactly like your mom, but was some sort of ghostly monster? I, I think I'd be a little scared if I was a little kid. <clears throat> I I think I think before she saw Garth uh, take on her mother's form, I think so. She knew right away who it was. I think she just knew it wasn't her because he, she knows her mom so well that they have that bond mm. and. This woman just walks up and looks just like her, but has Garth eyes or something. I don't know. Maybe. It doesn't matter. I, I, she I she think never she... once mentioned that her mom, there was a shapeshifter. I think she would have mentioned it if she knew that her mom had been replaced with a shapeshifter. So I just thought that she just knew just by looking at her that something wasn't right and freaked out. That, that's the way hmm. I took it. Hmm. Okay. Could have been. I took it differently. But it's interpretation. I don't sure. think they actually said. No, they don't say. So uh, even more so then. Um, so she's, she's, she's had it worked into her brain be a survivor. So she left. But still, it was like, hey, Kirk, thanks for coming across the uh, quadrant to help me. Uh, you handle this. Bye. So. See you later. See you later. Well, as we'll see in the next <clears> day, <throat> it's kind of good she does. Well, no, I agree with that. But at this point... After, you know, reading this issue, was like, wow, thanks, Thalia. Great job. Just take off on me. Right. Well, because I did not remember the shape-shifting thing, yeah. uh, I, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, how does this – how does she fit into the Garth thing? Yeah. And, or, and so um, <laughs> I, 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 it had been so long, and I wasn't putting the two and two together that uh, that that – the rest of the book was still kind of a surprise to me when, when it came out to be that she was him. Right. Okay. So, <clears throat> so I want to mention one last thing. Let's get down, get, let's get to the next one to find out what's going on. Sure. Um, if I remember correctly in whom God's destroy the, the Taws episode, um, mm -hmm. he Garth, Captain Garth went a little wacko and right. he, he went back to his ship and he tried to get his crew to do things, and his crew mutinied on him, and that was part of the reason he hated his crew. Um, in this one, they left him for dead because of what the readings were, but I guess he didn't know that. So um, the story is just a little bit – motivations for revenge are just a little different between the Taws episode and this. So, Right. Yeah, good point. Yeah, so here he's trying to get to a ship, or we we think that maybe. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you are you spoiling things? I wasn't trying to, but yeah, good point. 
because he didn't do this whole or we well, he assumed he didn't do this this uh living on the planet and, and impersonating women and things like that <laughs> in, yeah, in the prime I, line, timeline. Well, yeah. I mean, there are details we don't know about. But, um, but yeah, so it's well, – anyway, I, I kind of like how the, – where the second episode leaves it. Right. Yeah, me too. So let's, let's move on to the second issue. So issue number 12 came out September 2017. The writing and art staff is all exactly the same as issue number 11. Um, it had four covers. Uh, the first cover shows uh, Kirk kind of standing in space, and then behind him, walking away from him, is uh, Uhura and Spock kind of together. And then uh, in front of them is Sulu and McCoy. And then there's like a swoosh of the Enterprise flying into the background, and that's a cover by George Castodos. And then the other cover, the other art cover, shows uh, a close-up of Kirk's face with a lick of smirk on his face. And then behind him, we see Sulu holding a phaser on him. And that is done by Tony Shastine. Uh, the third cover is the photo variant cover, which shows Scotty from Star Trek Beyond. And then the final cover is by Chrissy Cheying. I don't know mispronounced it sorry chrissy and uh it's a swoosh cover starfleet swoosh cover with uh, scotty in the middle so the story starts on the planet antos 4 where kirk awakens and finds that he's stuck in a cell with eurydice he accuses her of stunning him and she informs him that they are both captured by a shape-shifting former starfleet captain named garth it seems that he did not die in that transporter accident way back when, and that the Antosians were able to revive him and somehow give him shape-shifting powers. They conclude that Garth must be impersonating Kirk now and is aboard the Endeavor. Luckily for them, a wall suddenly explodes when the little girl Thalia shoots it with a huge bazooka-looking weapon. Now that they are free, they return to Eurydice's ship and track the Endeavor to wherever it has departed to. Meanwhile on the Endeavor, McCoy starts to suspect Kirk is not quite right when he cannot remember things like who he's been playing chess with, and he keeps referring to him as Leonard and not Bones. Later, the Endeavor reaches its destination, which has been a secret all this time, and it is actually the same location as the USS Heisenberg. Fake Kirk tells the crew that he needs to contact the Heisenberg in private and retires to his ready room. Once he's off the bridge, the internal lights in the ship suddenly turn red, and a message informs them that all bridge activity has been rerouted to the ready room. Sulu contacts Fake Kirk to get an answer when Garth drops the illusion and reveals himself to be Garth, and then saying that there's nothing Sulu can do while he's inside that room, and that he's in control of the ship. Garth contacts Captain Jang from the Heisenberg. Jang is quite surprised to see that Garth is still alive. Garth blames him and everybody on the Heisenberg for leaving him to die all those years ago, and he starts to open fire on the ship. Eurydice's ship then arrives, and it's not nearly powerful enough to get into the middle of a firefight between the two Starfleet ships. But Eurydice has an idea. Her idea works, 
and she's able to beam Kirk onto the Endeavor's ready room and surprises Garth. As soon as he materializes, Kirk orders the shipwide lockdown to stop, and since everything is coded only to voice, uh, the ship does release all its controls. The doors to the ready room open, and Sulu and some of the bridge crew storm in to find two Kirks. Sulu asks them the name of his daughter to prove which one is the fake Kirk. Both Kirks say they will let the other one answer first. With that, the fake Kirk lunges at the real one, and this seems to be enough proof for Sulu to shoot, and he knocks out the fake Kirk. Once Garth is knocked out, the real Kirk tells Sulu that his daughter's name is Demora. Later, Garth is imprisoned at Elba 2, which is home of all of the last of the Federation's criminals. Meanwhile, on the Endeavor, Sulu and McCoy agree to watch Thalia while her mother and Kirk share some alone time in his quarters in the dark. The end. So you think they had like a, like a flashlight or something? They were showing up on their faces and kind of like doing spooky faces or something to each other? Probably. I, I mean, it, yeah. just go, it just goes dark. I mean, it doesn't say what they were doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, leave it to your imagination. I just assume, you know, maybe they were going to watch a movie and they wanted it really dark. Maybe. There you go. That could be. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, th- now the good thing about this Kirk is um, he seems t- he's got a relationship with this lady before he does the horizontal bop. So it's a little bit. There seems to be more behind some of the stuff he does, at least in the book. Right. As opposed to the movie where he's got multiple alien women in the bed at the same time. And that was when he was in college. He was young. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, once he's out of – I mean, aside from that one scene, has any of the movies really showed him uh, getting on with any of the, the ladies? I mean, he, he didn't really have a relationship with – um. Oh shoot! What's her name? The admiral's daughter. Oh uh, yeah. I should know her name. I should know her name. Yeah. So should David's I. David's mom. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So now you're giving me a mental block too. But whatever. Yes. What is her name? What is his name? Marcus. Carol uh, Marcus. Carol Marcus. There you go. <laughs> Carol Marcus. Yeah. So uh, I mean, he never really has a relationship with her in, in in the second movie, and he. Well, they just don't show it to you, but they obviously had a relationship. Did they? Well, I assume that part of it they're not going to change. Yeah, I don't in know. In the I Calvin universe, I think they just wrote David out of the universe. No, no, no. We're we're going to see David eventually. Well, okay, I, I got to say, it depends on how long they continue this thread, <laughs> this incarnation of Star Trek. Right. They may, they may decide to punt the whole thing and just, you know, get some, you know, recast uh, Patrick Stewart. Who knows? <laughs> Probably. Which I wouldn't be opposed to. I wouldn't be opposed to that either. I mean, it's, I still think there's plenty of movies that this uh, current crew can do. But eventually, yeah, we got to get the next gen going. Yeah, but this current crew is starting to get a little pricey, I'm sure, because Zoe Saldana and, and Chris Pine and uh, um, uh, shoot, Leonard McCoy's uh, – what's his name? Uh, the actor that yeah. plays McCoy? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm having a blank. 
Why, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he's yeah, great. I mean, they're, they're all getting really big and famous, so uh, I'm sure making another movie is going to be pr- more pricey. That's true, and they better be making uh, money. Yeah, the last one didn't do too well, from what I hear. Yeah. Well, um, so Carl Urban. Carl Urban, that's his name. Yeah, that's right. So he starred in a lot of things earlier in his career, and now he seems to be more of a, a you know, a supporting character actor. Except for Dread. Oh, that was good. Awesome, by the way. That was good. Although I, you know, when he got that mortal wound in the gut, and he still was able to soldier on. I don't know. I that was a little bit much. They just put some foam or something in there, right? Yeah, something like that. But then after that, I mean, other than that, I, I did enjoy that movie. Okay, whatever. He's great. He was path. He was in this movie Pathfinder a long time ago. Uh, everything I've seen him in, it was pretty good. Doom. Doom. <laughs> Doom. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. He was good in Doom. Uh, <laughs> but the whole movie, kind. I mean, it was really focused on The Rock, and it really wasn't good overall. Right. But yeah, yeah, he he did a good job. Whatever. So, anyways, uh, but yeah, I hope they make another one. I heard that they were they were starting up a, f- a fourth one. So, well, they've got like three scripts supposedly. One of them being the the Quentin Tarantino one, apparently. So, three they're considering. They got to figure out what they're going to do next, director things like that before they really yeah. get going. So, a bit of a delay. I hope they do it. They'll do it. They're going to do it. Come on. I mean, look, they're redoing Lost in Space. I mean, it's like they're redoing everything. So there's no way Paramount is not going to do another movie. It's just they're going to be – they're taking their time. And they're making sure they're going to do something that is financially – is is friendly towards optimizing profit. Right. But you know, there's somebody over there going, "Why can't we do what Disney's doing and just pump out a Star Trek movie every year, like they do with Star would, Wars?" I would not be opposed to that, but we see the kind of quality problems Star Wars movies are getting. I I just don't think I think they're okay, but they're not great, right? You know? Yeah, as a kid, I I I never thought in a million years that we would get so many Star Wars movies. Yep, and that I would ever be like, you know what? It kind of takes away how special the movies are when you have another one that's going to come out in just a few months. Yeah, and the movies aren't that great. So you put that together, eh, movie fatigue. Right. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, it is too bad, but whatever. Uh, so, okay, so back to this podcast. Yeah, so, so um, and this issue. Eurydice, we like it. I like I like the Eurydice relationship. Yes, I do too. Hope she comes back, and, and I didn't think of Vosh, but... Now that you mentioned it, she is a total Vosh character. It's yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, uh, a world moral type character that shows up and rocks his world. Exactly. And independent, smart. Um, now, of course, Vosh was clearly a criminal. Um, right. And and even and she, and uh, Eurydice is more more of like a like. Like a rascalian traitor, a little more Harry Mud, uh, kind of uh, traitor kind of person, as opposed to somebody who <laughs> pretty much is a criminal, right? Well, she's a which I think Vosh was. 
mean, well, all I of her, her ships all has illegal tech on it. She's she's able well, to beam through shields somehow. It's a, it's a competitive. It's a competitive advantage. <laughs> how is she more advanced than the Federation? I know that is kind of funny. Uh, and how does the kid find the where uh, where the Endeavor is? It's like yeah. come on. And they just chuck it as a joke. And they've mentioned they 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 call that out, which okay, but you called it out with absolutely no explanation. So okay, yeah, they fine. turned it into a joke, so that makes it okay. Yeah, well, they made a joke out of it, Ken. Okay, okay, okay. No, so I'm you'd prefer you. it if they said nothing? No, they need to say something because it's okay. stupid. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. But you got it. Yeah. Okay, whatever. So I like how the episode ended with Garth in an insane asylum. So basically, they ended this version of Whom Gods Destroy um, at some time period before the Taws episode picked it up, after he was already in the insane asylum for a while. So does that mean they're going to do the next one? They're going to have Garth back again? I hope so. That would be cool if they did it again. But, right, but but this time they wouldn't take him by surprise. I mean, no. Kirk knows. I mean, yeah, the shape shifting thing wouldn't work again. No, no. But maybe he could get linked in with the and uh, Orions with uh, with Yvonne Craig's uh, Orion girl. Uh huh. Yep. So yep. somehow make her a bigger part than just some lackey. Yes. Yep. Yeah. There's potential there. There's potential. Yeah. I wish that when they were walking past the cells, I wish they would have shown an Orion woman oh, in mm-hmm. one of those cells. Mm-hmm. But they just show uh, what looks like maybe a human a human woman, and then an Andorian, and then maybe a Tellarite? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, he some of the other lackeys he had, wasn't one of them an Andorian? And I think there and was Taz? a Tellarite. Yeah. Okay, okay. So they're kind of bringing it back, but yeah, uh, draw draw a uh, Orion that looks a little bit like Batgirl, and that'd be exactly. great. Exactly, that'd yeah. be great. I'd buy that for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar, or in this case, I'd buy that for three ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyways, that was a RoboCop reference for all you youngins that don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. So I like how uh, Talia uh, comes in with the BFG. To release him. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Hi, Mom. Hi, James Siberius Kirk. Hi. <laughs> and she's like carrying this thing that looks like it's as heavy as her. It's as big as, it's as, big as she is, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> With that little girl smile. Yeah, it was exactly. cute. And I liked how the end when uh, when they bring her back and she's doing the chess with McCoy. I think she beats him, right? No, she beats Sulu. She beats one of them at the end. Right, right. So... I usually don't like the the kid characters, but I do like her for some reason. Yeah. Even though she is, I mean, she's younger than Wesley Crutcher, and she can do much more than he ever could. Yeah. You know, <laughs> piloting the ship. Oh, oh, shooting, can shooting guns. Oh, can can he can she travel through space without a ship? Huh? Oh, not yet. But you never know. Maybe she's going to be a, wa- Wesley, uh, a traveler. Wesler became a traveler. I don't know. That's, that's a pretty true. good trick. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That would be cool if they brought back the traveler. Yeah, but actually explained a little bit more. Yeah, maybe he could be. Like, for in... example, yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole mycelium network kind of thing, you know. Oh, good point. You, you know, think that that's... ties in somehow? 
Well, that's what I thought. Oh, I mean, when awesome. they had the yeah, where they had the um, with, with, with that microscopic thing, I forgot what they call them. A trilobite? No, it wasn't a trilobite. No, uh... It was a. Uh, it, it's yeah. So the microscopic thing oh, yeah, that. What is it called? Uh, it's a T. I think you're right. It's T something. But whatever. So, but but the little thing that looks like uh, that microscopic thing that looks that that became huge in right. Voyager that taps into the mycelium network and travels around and stuff. It's like, well, that's a traveler. That that's what it that could explain oh, a traveler. You're talking about that. I thought you were talking about Discovery with uh, with how they were traveling through. Well, yeah, that too. But but it's the critter that could do it without a ship, without a spore drive, that could just right. tap right. into it, um, you know, biologically. But because you, the, you said there was an episode of Voyager, or did you mean Discovery? N- okay, okay. So what I said is the way they were traveling through the the biological critter was yeah. able to travel the mycelium network in Discovery. Um, in Discovery. And Discovery. even um, the, the scientist guy, uh, what's right. uh, Lieutenant whatever his name is, or whatever he was. Right. Um, I mean, he was able to travel around without um, at least, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. W- w- without the spore drive. So, I mean, that's, that's totally, um, that's a traveler. So anyway, I think no, that, that would that be. No, that makes sense. I wish they would. They would. I had not put two, those two together, but that's actually cool. Yeah. That so the traveler somehow can can link into that. That's what he. That's what he's using. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And before the episode was over, before the season was over, I was thinking, um, you know, what's his face is going to become a traveler and just leave. So he's just bye. bye. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go travel the uh, the highways and byways of uh, infinity. See you guys later. Yeah. Now that the doctor's dead, he he doesn't have anything to keep him there. You're true. Yeah, that is true. But but now by the end of the episode, he looks. He seems kind of normal again, right? Right. So are they? So okay. So just we got a third episode or a third issue to go over. <laughs> but in the new season, season three, okay, you know, are they going to do the mycelium network anymore, or is it a normal ship now? You mean season two? Or season two? I'm sorry. You're right. Season two. So season two. I mean, you know, they, they had a little adventure with Pike and the Enterprise. Okay, cool. Um, but, you know, is the ship going to be normal again? Yeah, well, what do you want? Do you want it to keep doing the, the crazy stuff, or do you want it to be a normal ship? Now? I want it to be a normal ship now. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm kind of done with the the... the the spore drive. Yeah. And, and you got to do something like that because, you know, nobody else knows it. In the future, no one uses a spore drive. So, right. okay. Let's let's leave that behind. It's a normal ship now. Right. I'm I'm, I'm hoping they go that route. Yeah. But now I the, doubt I doubt they will. But it's a science vessel, right? I mean, it's a science vessel. It's not a battleship. Uh, right. Although obviously it has teeth. They used it in the war. But without the little gimmick of the spore drive, you know, is it really going to mix it up with Klingons? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, so we'll see. Anyway, I'm looking forward to the new Pike. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, no, that, I'm looking forward to that a lot. Yeah. Do you feel that the the two novels that they've had out so far in the first one, not Desperate Hours, or was it Desperate Hours? It might have been Desperate Hours. The first novel uh, had Pike in it, 
mm-hmm. and Giorgio. They were working together on something, although at loggerheads quite often also. Right. Um, it's almost like the novel is foreshadowing what they might be doing in the TV show. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, when they first announced Discovery and said when it was going to be set, I thought that it would be really cool if the Discovery and the Enterprise were involved in whatever it was. I can't remember that uh, that had the giants and stuff, and that was giving Pike all the nightmares and stuff, and what what ended oh, up making the Colossians right. invent the, the 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 giant and all that stuff. Right, right, right. So I, I was hoping that that would be a storyline from, you know, the Discovery series because um, the timeline would fit perfect. Um, but then it didn't happen, and they went a completely different route. But now that they're bringing him back or bringing Pike back, I'm like, well, maybe they will do that now with um, that the Discovery was somehow involved in in that uh, that event, or it could just be a uh, totally another event. But right, huh? yeah, I'm, we'll I'm pretty out. sure Pike will just be in there for an episode or two and then they'll do something else. Right. Although I kind of like how they, they like the first half of the first season was one story. And then the second half of the season was another story. So I kind of hope that they, they do it the same way in the new one, the new series. Well, was it the first half of the second half or was it the first two episodes and the rest of it? Well, the first, the first Ah. episode was kind of one off by itself. And then when, so it got to the, the quote unquote present, then the first half was kind of one story. And then when they got to the mirror universe, it was kind of, so really there were three. Yeah. One short one. Yeah. So it really had almost like three TV series. Kind of, sort of. Or in one season. Three story arcs in one season. Yeah. Yeah. But the first one was really different. Right. So I'm hoping they do that in this one, and I, and I'm hoping that Pike. I hope the Pike story is more than just one episode, but I think it will be. Okay. I think they'll have them around uh, for a couple episodes at least, and uh, also looking forward to seeing who the new captain is on Vulcan. Yeah, you mentioned that it was going to be uh, Lorca from the real universe. Yeah, um, that's and what I say. I really like that idea, so I'm hoping that's that's the case now. Right. Okay, so we'll see. Because um, they do do that. I mean, it's almost a little bit like American uh, Horror Story, in the fact that they uh, like like they bring car- uh, actors back. Uh, they kind of like say, "Okay, we're gone, bye," and they bring them back somehow. Right. Uh, but they do it in a way that kind of makes sense. So, I think they might be doing that a little bit. Yeah, I hope so because I really like that actor. Yeah, he's good. He was in a movie called The Death of Stalin. That, that was at the theater a couple weeks ago, and oh. uh, the, I did not like the movie at all, but I liked him a lot. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, so I uh, hope to see him in more stuff. Yeah. Right. All right, but uh, none of those people are in this issue. Can no, and let's uh, let's get on to Idik, uh, because I think that's uh, a really cool. Uh, I, I like the issue. Yeah, I think it bodes so, well for the future. So no other comments on issue number. No. Um, I'm done. You, not even to talk about the Kirk versus Kirk thing oh. that looked exactly like Star Trek V? Well, <laughs> uh, just like Star Trek V, um, it was a little bit like uh, Enemy – was it Enemy Within? Uh, the Taz episode where Kirk splits in two. Oh, yeah. The, um, the evil Kirk. Evil Kirk and you know transporter accident. Go figure. Uh, yeah, it's happened 
multiple times. Right, but in the, but this one and in Star Trek Five, they literally have the shoot him. He's the he's the real he's exactly. The fake. No, exactly. shoot him. He's the fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't really care for that part. Yeah. Well, and then I didn't like how how did Sulu know that the one that lunged for the other one was the fake one? It seemed. Uh, well, doesn't that seem like something Kirk wouldn't do? I mean, okay, basically, Kirk, the real Kirk, knows how to answer the question. So why should he lunge at the other guy? But he wasn't answering. He was like, I'll well, the other one. he's not going to answer because as soon as he says it, the other guy can say, well, I knew that. Right. Or, or he, he could have whispered it into Sulu's ear. That could have happened. I just would but, have rather them ha- them something, you know, kind of like in Star Trek V. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he tells Spock, but... Somehow he tells Spock something that that only Kirk, the real Kirk would know. Exactly right. So yeah. uh, that would have I would have liked that a little bit better. Yeah. Plus Garth could have easily known who Sulu's daughter was. Yeah. He probably would have read everybody's files so that he could at least have a conversation with these people. Yeah. Yeah. So. But it's it's a trope that has been used and used and used. There was a Man from Uncle episode uh, that did the same damn thing. Sure. And the spy with my face. So, you know. And Bewitched and I Dream of Genie. Everybody has oh, did they do that too? Evil Twin episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Evil Twin <laughs> episodes. Or Evil Twin characters. Right. The lookalike character. Exactly. Or the sister, right? Isn't Genie the sister? I think it was evil. Cousin or something. Cousin? I don't know. Something. Yeah, yeah, I don't whatever. Know. It's been a long time. Whatever. So they, they, they usually they're going to be blind at some point. Uh, they've got an evil twin. That's always that's always a popular one. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right, all right. Well, that was my last comment on issue twelve. So uh, okay. I, I guess we can go ahead and move to thirteen. Perfect. Okay, issue thirteen. Uh, IDIC, part one of six. Six. Uh, published date October twenty seventeen. Writer Mike Johnson. Art Josh Hood. Colors Jason Lewis. Letters and World Design. Production design, Neil Yataki. Editors, Sarah Gatos. Editorial assists by Chase Maratz. Publisher, Ted Adams. We got four covers. Cover A, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier in the episode. Uh, Features a fractured uh, Kirk face that includes six different versions in kind of like a pie-shaped slices of Kirk. Uh, one version likes like uh, I mentioned it before. One of the slices looks like uh, Kirk uh, as one of Jayla's people a little bit, which I kind of threw me off. Uh, one of them is like the normal Kirk. Uh, another one, he's got this like uh, a General Chang, I think it is, eye patch. You know, kind of bolted into his skull, so a uh, Klingon eye patch. So multiple versions. Uh, covers by T- Tony Shastine. Cover B shows Ahura over a blue-green planet with other versions of her and other characters arrayed around her shoulders. Cover by Tony Shastine. The first retailer incentive photo cover is a photo from Star Trek Beyond of Jayla in, uh, a for- in the forest, looking all uh, really tough, really bad ASS. The second retailer instead of variant cover is a highly stylized drawing of Spock and Kirk springing into action with phasers in hand. The Enterprise is in the background, streaking up into the sky. It's all very colorful and uh, cool. 
cover by Yoshi, Yoshitani. Wow, what a name. Okay, Captain Kirk and Commander Sulu from the bridge of the Endeavor are speaking across the Alpha Quadrant to Commander Spock and Lieutenant Uhura on New Vulcan. They speak of their upcoming reunion aboard the USS Enterprise A. With Spock returning as first officer, Kirk speaks of his quandary of what to do with Sulu, his current first officer on the Endeavor. Demoting him back to lieutenant is not a pleasant thought. The channel is eventually closed, and Kirk is handed a pad with interesting long-range sensor readings. Kirk and Sulu recognize the unique readings from the past. Kirk orders new course for the source of those readings. Punch it. Meanwhile, on New Vulcan, Natoya and Spock talk about their choice to go back to Starfleet or stay on Vulcan. They could be happy in both situations, though both circumstances are quite different. That brings up the Vulcan philosophy of Idic, infinite diversity in infinite combinations. That acts as a segue into a different dimension where Captain Pike is running from very familiar pasty white aliens with spears in all red color landscapes of an alien forest. Pike's first officer, Commander Grayson, sent a shuttle down to save the captain, but the captain is threatening court-martial if Grayson breaks the prime directive and lets those natives see a shuttle picking him up. The impulsive commander picks up his captain anyway, and when Pike disembarks from the shuttle, he confines his number one to quarters until they return to Earth. Despite his captain's orders, Grayson is drinking with Dr. McCoy in what looks like a common error area. I assume that's not part of uh, Grayson's quarters, but... Uh, during their drinking, we find out that, A, this impulsive rogue of a first officer is none other than this dimension's version of Spock. Grayson was a Vulcan raised on Earth after his mother left Grayson's father, Sarek. He took his mother's human maiden name as his own. On Earth, Spock eschewed logic and embraced his human half's feelings. He had his ears bobbed uh, to look more human and wears his hair long in the front to partially cover his arched eyebrows. His wife, Ohura, died and he is still pissed off about it. He wants to kill the man who murdered her. Apparently, her death and his quest for vengeance is a key point in this unfolding story. Meanwhile, on Burrapenthe, a human raised as a Klingon, nicknamed the Orphan, meets out Klingon justice to two guards that, through their ineptitude, allowed a Romulan terrorist to escape. Later, aboard his Klingon warship, the IKS Chanak, the Orphan is thinking about a man he wants to kill, and likely a second person. He is angry and apparently channeled that anger into satisfying three Klingon women at the same time. Uh, they're all in bed together. Ooh, orphan. He rises out of bed as he receives word from the bridge that our prey is found. Meanwhile, on the USS Enterprise, the crew is marveling at the area of space they are passing through. Chekhov confirms the readings are unlike any in their Federation databanks. Captain Pike asks for Commander Grayson's analysis from his quarters. 
As Grayson is relaying his preliminary findings involving quantum entanglement, Sula reports a Klingon ship decloaking above them. The ship is rocked by multiple hits before shields can be raised. The Orphan and Pike trade jabs, uh, with Pike at least sounding confident of the Enterprise's ability to counterattack. However, as systems start to fail, including shields dropping off rapidly, the Orphan demands that Pike hand over the Vulcan. Pike refuses and says he will erase the Orphan from the galaxy. Suddenly, when it looks like the Enterprise will be boarded, another ship joins the party and fires on the Klingon ship. As static-filled communications are opened up between Pike's ship and the newcomers, we discover that the newcomer is Captain Jane Tiberius Kirk and her Vulcan First Officer. They are both wearing the pants on that ship. To be continued. So again, another another storyline from Star Trek Ongoing that they're bringing back. Yes, yes, exactly. Your point about them... Not expecting to bring anything back, and um, they're bringing a bunch of stuff back. Yep. At least two things. Yep. It's good stuff. Yeah, I, it is. I, I liked the, uh, the all-female universe. Yeah, that was interesting. Well, was not all-female, the, 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 the gender-switched universe. Exactly. So Uhura is a male right? Uh, in, that, in that universe. So gender-swapping. Yeah, was, was that when uh, Marcus was still on? Was there a, a male Marcus? I can't remember. I don't remember. Maybe. 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 But uh, but I liked the Commander Grayson thing. I, I really thought that was an interesting take that, on Spock. I thought that was damn clever. <laughs> I liked it. Because at first when you see him, it's like, who who is that Grayson? Dick Grayson? He's Robin? <laughs> What's going on here? Right. Uh, but the, the way they transition, it definitely, <clears throat> you can tell that it's, it's uh, it's supposed to be Spock, but uh, just yeah. without the ears, and and you can't tell about the ear but, eyebrows. But that's the problem. Yeah, it was like, well, that's kind of like Spock, but what the ears look human. What's going on here? I had some confusion for a time. Right. I will admit to that. Well, that it thing, was that's what they That's what they wanted exactly, and they achieved it brilliantly. And the idea that they had uh, um, Spock combing his hair forward, kind of like the evil Peter Parker. Yeah, <laughs> and Spider-Man in Spider-Man Three, um, I thought was was very clever. I mean, people hair, wear their hair along in the front to hide crow's feet and all kinds of different things, and he was doing it to hide his eyebrows. That's cool. But if you can surgically alter your ears, why wouldn't you I do think your? You could surgically alter your eyebrows. I agree. I agree. And it would be easier. I would yeah, think we, we saw Kirk do it in in the original series. The yeah. he looked like a he looked like a Romulan, and then That's the next right. episode he didn't. There you go. And he had the he had the ears too, right? Yeah, he had the whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing. Just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, and that's 1966 technology. So imagine what they could do. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, I like this issue, and I liked how at the beginning when they were talking about. Uh, with, with Pike, uh, not Pike, uh, Kirk getting the the readings, and they said it looks familiar, and and yeah, and you know what it is because yes, you do. I mean, maybe you saw the the cover or whatever, and you knew that it was going to be uh, an exp- um, they were going to bring back the uh, other universes, right? But, uh, 
but even if you didn't know that, uh, I liked how they didn't tell you, right? They're not they're not spoon feeding it to you. What what the reading were? They just say it, it looks familiar. Are you sure you wanting to get close again this time? Right. And he's just like, you know, you know the answers. Yeah, <laughs> you know the answer to that. Engage. Exactly. So, no, nah, I even like that part. The, the only part that I didn't really care for was Sulu, or not Sulu, uh, Spock and uh, Ahura. Those two pages, they, they seemed to. They were there just to set up the idea of uh, infinite combinations, but sure. uh, but it was just like those two pages were just like okay, get through it. I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, quite frankly, if they stay on Vulcan, uh, maybe they'd be happy, but boring. They won't. Right. They won't. And I think this is the first time they mentioned uh, Chekhov since uh, since this series started. They they actually say that he's. He's on his way back, or something like that. He's going to meet him at the the space station. Yeah. So, I, so what I are they going to do? Was cool. Yeah. So I guess they're going to have him back. I mean, are they going to? Uh, well, it should be interesting to see how they do it. Right. So they're just going to have him look like um, uh, what's the actor? I forgot his name. Anton Yurik. Anton. Or... They're just going to have him look like Anton. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Hmm. I think they can. I mean, I and I think they can still have the character too. I mean, but, in the comics, whatever. I don't, I don't think they should have him in the next movie. In the next movie, he should be transferred to the Reliant and well, go off to okay. find Khan. That's fine. So if you want to do that, that's fine. But they recast Sarek, or not Sarek, um, uh, Pike? No, 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 no. The uh, Chrissy Alley. So, oh. Robin Curtis. Robin, yeah, Robin Curtis. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Savick. Savick, that's it. They recast Savick, you know, it was okay, really. But if, if they want to, you know, if they want to get rid of Chekhov and says he's transferred, that would make things a little bit more reasonable. I mean, the idea that the entire crew stays together forever is pretty unlikely. Speaking of which, even though he's not first officer, they don't need to demote Sulu to being lieutenant again. No. I mean, they no, can that have... That doesn't make sense. He's a commander. I mean, right? Leave him a commander. They can have more than one commander, can't you? Well, but what was weird in the, in the first of the J.J. movies, yeah. um, they referred to Kirk as captain, even just because that was... The role he, he was he playing. the role, yeah. right? So, right. But, you know, that doesn't mean that he really was ranked captain. Um, so it seems kind of weird that they would... Uh, you, whatever position you take, you're immediately whatever rank that's supposed to be. That doesn't make sense, right? But, but I mean, but it also doesn't make sense to have three captains on the ship. No, at a given time. And, Although they had two <laughs> in the movies, you know, right. Captain Spock and, and and Captain Kirk. But um, yeah, I think with commander, fine. So Spock's commander and Sulu's lieutenant commander. He doesn't have to go back to being lieutenant, right? But whatever. they could just go give him the Excalibur or the Excelsior. Yeah, <laughs> just do it right away. Right. Sorry, Spock. We're gonna give the, <laughs> the Excelsior to uh, Sulu. Yeah. Too bad you spent all that time on New Vulcan. We're yeah. Go ahead and give him the the new ship. Exactly. Your sabbatical was a little too long. <laughs> Shows you're not serious enough. Uh, that's funny. So uh, as far as this um, mirror universe uh, kind of thing, um, I like the Klingon design. Um, it 
it's a different look. They don't have all the earrings and stuff like they did in the movies. Right. Uh, but it's still that that different type of head. But uh, I'm gonna, you know, when we were talking about the Discovery comic, and and Brian brought up the part that uh, the way they were drawing the Klingons, the Discovery Klingons, yeah. in, in that comic was that they had the really messed up forehead and head, but then the rest of their body was 100% human. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with him again on this one, and that these three naked women that are with Kirk, oh. they're 100% human looking, with with the exception of the forehead. Right, which uh, you know, I, I I like to think that there's other bony protrusions in their backs or or whatever to make yep. them a little more alien. Yep, that would make it more logical. Oh, but they do kind of show a little bit of a the one girl in bed, uh, you know, with her face down. Right, she has a little bit of a, a pronounced uh, spinal you can, column. You can see her spine, but a little bit. I don't know, a little wharfish, but not as wharfish. Worf, yeah. really. And, of course, the orphan. I didn't mention in the synopsis, but it's Kirk. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kirk with an eye patch. And I guess right. uh, when when Nero came and destroyed the Kelvin, um, he was born as he was in the in the Kelvin right. universe. But, but the Klingons but found the, the Klingons, ship. Klingons got the, the shuttlecraft instead of it making its way back to Federation. Exactly. But I did like how they brought up that uh, you know this takes place after Star Trek, their version of the Star Trek Eleven movie where Nero has escaped Rora Pinte, right? Isn't that? Oh about? yeah, good point. I I did not put that together at all. That makes sense. That makes perfect Which sense. Means that Nero could show up in this universe. He could. So, um. A, a, along with the Narada? I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah, the way I'm seeing it, I'm hoping that he's going off to get the Narada and he's going to show back up in this universe with the Narada. With this universe's Narada. Cool. Oh, all the possibilities. Yeah, it's almost like it's infinite. Yeah. There's infinite possibilities here. Exactly. So they can mix up anything they want. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see what else. I, I liked the uh, the little jabs at uh, Star Trek. Um, uh, what was the second movie called? <laughs> Into Darkness. Yeah, the Star Trek Into Darkness uh, opening scene where he's where even Spock's like, it's not like we stopped the volcano; they're all going to die anyways. Well, exactly. <laughs> I completely agree with that. Pike is getting all freaked out about it. Who cares if they see the Enterprise? They're all going to die. Right. I'm, I'm, I wish they would have said something like, you know, it's it's not like we could have hid the Enterprise under the water. That would be stupid. <laughs> that was stupid. It was cool, but it was stupid. Right. So, no, I really liked the uh, – I liked that scene where they were basically replaying – that event, but what if Pike was the one in charge? Exactly. But but the thing is, okay, so everybody was chasing Kirk because he grabbed their tiki or whatever, their religious object. The scrolls, yeah. Exactly. So he grabbed it to get them out of the building that he knew was going to get hammered. Now, how he knew that, I don't know, but whatever. Um, technology. So why are they all chasing Pike? Pike didn't do that. He doesn't have a scroll in his hand. 
Um, also, if you're supposed to, if you want to blend in, why are the you the only guy in black robes or something with a waist? What looks like a a a waist cape? I mean, <laughs> it, it looks like the cape is comes out of his waistband or something. And, and maybe that's just how it's flopping behind him, and it actually goes up to his shoulders. But I'm just, I don't I think know. It's just a long robe, and it well, but yeah, it doesn't have a front. Yeah, good point. It I don't a, know. I don't know. It, it, it looks like it looks like a butt cape. It's a butt cape. Yeah, it's a butt cape. Anyway, so it's a skirt. You're trying to blend in, not be noticed, and everybody else is wearing yellow, and you wear black. Okay, cool look, but and by the way, your head's not covered. Do you think they notice that you got hair, brown hair? It's like, I'm oh, sorry. Well, maybe the the hood fell off when he was running at top speed. Could be, could be. Or maybe this is right after he got startled by that dinosaur-looking thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that was the that ride. That was going to be their ride. That was going to be yeah. their ride. <laughs> you shot our ride. I forgot about that. Anyway. Anyways. And uh, to me, Pike here looks like uh, Dennis Quaid. <laughs> not Bruce Greenwood. Dennis, I got to go back for that. I don't... Uh... Uh, on the uh, on the Comicsology PDF, it is it's not really a PDF, but it's page eight. Um. Okay. Well, is that where he's screaming at Spock? He's or what? screaming at Spock. Yeah, a with little that, bit. With, with a the little finger bit. pointing. With the finger pointing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm Dennis Quaid. <laughs> at least I'm not an old man like I was last issue. Okay. Okay. So interesting. I want to point out something. Mm-hmm. I I like the drawing of the Enterprise. So look at the top top uh, of the page. Yep. We see the Enterprise. That's clearly a J.J. Abrams Enterprise. Of course. It's got the nacelles in the right place and everything. Very nice drawing. Um, if you go to the previous page, actually the several previous page, maybe 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 page five or something, mm-hmm. there is a shot of the um, Endeavor. Endeavor. Which is the way we remember it. Yeah, where the nacelles are really low. They're very low. So the pylons are kind of coming out the side. Very much the same kind, a similar configuration the Voyager has. Uh, it's coming sideways out of the secondary hull. Right. Uh, and then it rises a little bit into the nacelles. Right. So almost like the Enterprise E. Really long nacelles that are kind of... Flat with almost flat with the engineering section. Um, yes, Enterprise E, fascinating, fascinating. Oh man, I'm remembering it right, right? Uh, probably I was gonna get up and look at it, but my headphone cord is completely tied around my my chair, (laughs) so I can't move without. Oh my god, what a mess! Okay, so not okay, I'm untangled. Okay, just trust me. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Now, okay. The Enterprise E, the nacelles come up on an angle. They don't come straight out of the side. Right. Okay. Uh, um, so they don't come but, up very much though, right? Uh, well, yeah. Well, it, it's on an angle. So instead of, it, it, it's a much, uh, the angle is much less steep than on previous incarnations of the Enterprise. Which is because they solved the... 
the warp drive issue thing that was destroying subspace. Oh, really? Is that what did it? They they changed the uh, <laughs> the nacelle pylons. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's that's the that's the okay. in universe explanation. There you go. Okay. The uh, the real inner, the real explanation is that it looks cool. <laughs> okay, so it's a little bit like uh, Enterprise C, a little like Enterprise. C. Oh, C, yeah, yeah, but with longer nacelles. Longer nacelles, and the Enterprise C comes straight out of the out of, out of the uh, out of the secondary hull, but then it curves up right. into like almost a ninety degree thing. It is a ninety degree thing, where this is it doesn't curve up much. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, so, the, no. the, so this one's a lot more consistent with what we've seen before of the Endeavor. Right. Well, as opposed the, to the, the previous. Yeah, yeah. The, the other two issues just didn't – no. No. We call, we call uh, continuity foul. Okay. I just want to say that. Just like saying continuity foul. I thought it was very interesting at the end where Captain Jane Kirk – is wearing a uniform that is 100% Shat's uniform from Taws. Except, of course, it doesn't lay on her quite the same as it did on Why do you say that? Shat. I mean, doesn't that look like the, uh, like the first, the first uh, movie's uniform? Huh? It looks like Taws. The first, the first uh, yeah, the, like the Pine. The first, the first 2009 movie. Does it not? Uh, I'm, talking about, it, yeah, I'm talking about Jane Kirk. Yeah, I see her. Okay. So why does it look more like Shatner and not the first Chris Pine uniform? Because uh, it looks – I thought it looked just like uh, Captain uh, – uh, the Shat's uniform. Yes, that is Shat's uniform. That is not Pine's uniform. Look at the badge. Look at the combat – or the, the patch. Okay. And look at the uh, look at the braid on the sleeves, and look at the um, I forgot what they call it, but where this no that's that that's the Shats uniform. And look at the pants and yeah, the pants totally the pants and then the, the high boots, which I kind of like. I I do too. I thought that always looked a little bit pirate like, a little roguish, a little pirate like. And then except, except these are heels, not uh, not flats. Uh, true. <laughs> yeah, she's. Uh, Sulu or Ch- uh, Spock is definitely rocking the uh, heels, but maybe maybe Shatner had the heels too. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Anyway, so um, Jane Kirk looks a hundred percent Taw's Kirk uniform. Um, well, okay, the col- the collar is kind of sharp. Okay, so that's a little different. But other than that, it's Shat's uniform. And then the because uh, there's only one full page panel showing. Uh, right. Jane and uh, and Spockette or whatever her name is, um, but Spock's uniform is a bit different. Uh, short sleeved, don't see that very often. Almost like Sulu, or almost like McCoy's from the original series, because he always wore oh. short sleeves, right? Uh, no, did he not? Well, okay, he had a short sleeve variant, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, well, like Kirk, uh. Dr. McCoy had uniforms that nobody else had. So, right. yeah, I, I think you're right about that. Um, so, it's, so Spock's uh, tunic has a little, little black piping on the bottom. So that's a little different. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, you spent, you spent a lot of time on these panels. Well, I just, 
I mean, she she's got. I think it's. I think she's got Pike's chair. It looks a little bit more like like Pike's chair. Or not Pike. What am I saying? Uh, Pine's Pine. chair. Pine's chair. Um, but the uniform just struck me. How that is Kirk. I mean, uh, Shat. Right. I got gotcha. you. So, huh, thought it was interesting. So, in this infinite uh, possibility crossover thing, do you think they'll bring back the the Shatnerverse as one of the the crossovers? Because <laughs> uh, they did. They could. So in the uh, original ongoing, yep. they did the Jane Kirk. Yep. She was in like, what, two episodes, two issues, maybe more? Yeah, it was like a two-part or maybe three, something like and that. And then later they did the Shatner Kirk and Pine Kirk where they kind of flipped over. Right. right? And that was, that was a two-issue. Agreed. So, so they have crossed them over and they do know that there's another universe out there where Nero didn't show up and mm-hmm. things like that. So – so, which I didn't really care for because I didn't like how they knew that the other people were those people but looked different. Because to me, I yeah. think they should yep. see them as I remember that point. Person. I remember that point. So, I, I'm just curious if they're going to show up in this one, right? Where where we'll see Shatner and and Pine together again. Well, they can go anywhere they want to. So, and that's going to yep. be very deviant de- deviations ish of them. So. And I hope that they bring in, you know, the a gold key, Kirk. Ah. Oh, looks that looks like, like nobody. Bronson. That looks like, like nobody. Bronson with a big square backpack. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, it's that's like, the way I would write it. It's like putting a black box, a big heavy metal black box on your back. Come on away, team. We won't be comfortable. <laughs> yeah. All right. What else do you have for this issue? I said everything. Oh, uh, my one little dig. I just want to say that Uhura and Sulu's faces are drawn pretty poorly on page two. That's all. Uh, let's see. Uhura and Sulu or Spock? Uh, Uhura and Sulu. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. So the bottom left in the case yeah, of Sulu. It. He has, looks like he has a, a bigger nose than normal. Bigger nose and his jaw looks weird. His mouth looks kind of dopey. I don't know. And uh, And then... Uh, Ahura's, it almost doesn't look like, um... Zoe Saldana? Zoe. It almost doesn't look like her. I mean, a little bit in, in the in the lower face. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't quite get it right. Yeah. So they got the ships right, um, and they got the, the faces right in most cases, um, uh, but in some cases a little off. Right. But hey, it's a, a fine job. Still, I think it looks great. And I think that big old uh, Klingon that uh, the orphan ends up putting the uh, the Dakta or whatever the blade is through the back of his head, I think right. he looked really good. Yeah, it's a pretty different looking dude. Yeah, he looks like a scary big huge Klingon with the black uh, lipstick. Oh, black <laughs> lipstick. <laughs> yeah, I guess he has really dark lips. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's yep. it. All right, cool. All right, well, next week we're going to continue with Boldly Go because I want to know how all this all plays out. But uh, we're not going to do all three issues uh, next next episode of yeah. Boldly Go. Right. We're going to sprinkle a little gold key. Right. So we'll do issues 14 and 15 of Boldly Go, and then we'll do issue 27 of Gold Key. There you go. 
So we just want to kind of stretch out this uh, this six part miniseries uh, as long as we can. <laughs> <laughs> that we want to work through our backlog of Golki. Right. And since we're dealing with infinite combinations or diff- infinite possibilities, uh, why not have a little gold key? It's different. <laughs> it is different. <laughs> it's it's very different. Yeah. Uh, sometimes almost unrecognizable at times, but yes. Okay. So looking forward to that, and hopefully, uh, hopefully this series goes well because i'm in, i'm enjoying it so far first issue in so me too thanks you everybody for joining us for the review of star trek comics <laughs> exactly all right later bye thank you for listening to star trek comic book review all star trek stories and characters are copyrighted cbs studios incorporated all music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only you can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review.